Hello, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about the Solana blockchain, the metaverse, and how it all ties to games. And here with us to speak to these issues is Michael Wagner, co-founder and CEO of Star Atlas, the company making a metaverse game using the Solana blockchain. Welcome, Michael. Thanks so much, Joseph. Great to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on. There's a lot of topics here that I'm super interested in, but maybe we could start with the Solana blockchain. I mean, I think we can assume our audience has a basic understanding in terms of, let's say, Bitcoin, Ethereum, like basics of crypto, but maybe you could speak to us first about Solana and maybe the general concepts behind what is a third generation blockchain. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess um, if we can kind of back into that and say, you know, first generation blockchain was Bitcoin, right? The genesis mm -hmm. of the blockchain itself. So Bitcoin was the first. Uh, in the next generation, we saw chains like EOS, where you have higher transaction throughput, uh, maybe different consensus mechanisms or consensus algorithms, uh, lower costs uh, that allow for greater scalability. Um, and then, you know, moving into where we where we live today, which is you know the development um, and production of these third generation blockchains, something like Solana, for example, uh, maybe to put some quantifiable figures behind it, is capable of processing fifty thousand transactions per second, and this is you know uh, scalable in a parallel fashion. Uh, and we can kind of get into the specifics of that, but um, you know going back to say EOS, uh, EOS is capable of something like five thousand transactions per second. Bitcoin is capable of seven transactions, seven to 12 transactions per second. So you can just see the orders of magnitude um, in scalability um, and potential for greater user adoption as uh, the underlying technology continues to improve. Right. And maybe we could also just talk about what is Star Atlas in terms of what kind of game is it? And then from there, it'd also be great to understand exactly how does Solana, the blockchain, tie into the game itself? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great starting point. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to be overly grandiose here, but we, we do genuinely believe what we're developing at Star Atlas is not only going to be the future of gaming and the gaming experience, but also this entirely new human experience, uh, uh, the, a way that people interact with the digital world. It's different than anything we've seen to date. Um, so Star Atlas itself, uh, from a video game concept, is, a, is being developed out to AAA quality standards. Um, so really seeking to develop a a video game that would be attractive to a mainstream gaming audience, something that you would even see in, in esports tournaments, for example. Highest quality levels of graphics, uh, we're building this out in Unreal Engine 5, and so you get this full cinematic quality um, in a video game rendered in real time. Um, and so that's kind of our starting point. It's uh, space themed, so it's space exploration, territory control, political conquest, and generally grand strategy. So uh, to compare that to some modern titles, you can think of games like you know Eve Online, uh, maybe some economics from Entropia, uh, and Star Citizen more re recently. Uh, from the gameplay mechanics standpoint, now what we're doing is enhancing that entire gaming experience by introducing uh, blockchain mechanics. To the, to the actual gameplay. And so that includes things like non-fungible tokens or NFTs for all of the in-game assets. Now these, these NFTs are truly owned by the player and it really empowers the player then to purchase and invest into something that can then uh, be sold later. You know, and if, if you're a gamer and you know how much time you spend in games, how great would it be to be able to recapture some of that value that you create for yourself over time? So NFTs, we have two crypto native assets, uh, one related to governance and one related to you know, in-game transactional currency. And then uh, we're also associating DeFi 
into the platform so that as players earn income through this play to earn model, they're actually able to deploy that into yield generating vehicles uh, so they can actually collect some residual income off of the assets that they possess. And so where it gets where it gets broader, you know, is first of all, there's 2.7 billion gamers around the world. So that's kind of our first target audience, right, is we have exposure, potential exposure to that entire audience. But when we start considering the potential of the metaverse where people can actually create uh, their own value, uh, deploy their own strategies, be, uh, you know, create ingenuity and bring it into the game and, and identify methods of extracting value that aren't reliant on the mechanics that we've introduced, that now has the potential to attract the entire global audience, right? And okay. disrupt uh, legacy power structures and, and kind of like systems of economics that are just imposed upon people because of their geographic location. Okay. And maybe just going back and kind of unpacking some of what you said, because I, I think there was a lot there, at least a lot for me. Sure. But, uh, so first, in terms of the game, similar to EVE Online territory control, I get that from a platform perspective, I mean, you're using Unreal, so it sounds like it'd be easy for you to go for you to go cross-platform, but is this cross-platform, is this more of a web game or is it mobile? Is it, you know, uh, what what kind like what platforms are you initially intending to to support? We're still a ways off from the final decision on, okay. on that specifically, but we are building this out. You know, once again to AAA quality standards, so you could you know envision playing this on a PC with okay. uh, you know um, high quality hardware. Um, yeah. You know, the potential to go cross-platform onto console is certainly exists because it's in UE5. And then, uh, you know, being a, a game that is targeting this global audience, we, we want to ensure that we have some type of mobile accessibility as well. Um, and that might exist through streaming services or some other implementation that we, that we uh, uh, implement. But this will be, you know, three to five years down the line before we're really making any final conclusions on cross-platform access. And then you also mentioned NFTs and then two types of tokens. And so as far as the NFT aspect is concerned, does that mean, what does that, does that have to do with the, the ship that you buy? Do you own that specific ship or the art associated with that ship? Are they unique or how does that work with respect to how the NFT integrates into the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can actually think of virtually everything in the observable universe that is, you know, Star Atlas Metaverse as being an own, uh, an asset that's able to be owned. So everything from, uh, well, the two core asset classes are ships and land. Okay. Uh, so real estate, virtual real estate. And we're Got seeing, it. you know, the prevalence of virtual real estate in various sandbox style games um, on the rise. Uh, within our game, it's things like ships, which can be outfitted with crew members, components, modules, weapons, shields, all of these different uh, um, enhancements to your to your core ship asset; those are all NFTs. And then on the land side, it's it's not only owning the land, but owning the structures. So things like mining equipment and mining drills, um, and then also uh, connecting that out to space stations, orbital space stations that supplement and support your land land based activity. But all of these items uh, are issued as um, uh, you know rare. Uh, limited quantity assets, finite assets uh, that the players truly own and are able to trade on our NFT marketplace or really on any NFT marketplace across the Solana ecosystem. Right. And so just to underscore that last point, meaning if you were to acquire a ship in game or buy an NFT of a ship or of land, then through 
you know, even outside of the game through an external marketplace, you could actually sell or make money from selling those assets that you've acquired in game. Is that, is that right? 100%. It, it actually creates an entirely new class of user because there will be people that, you know, purchase these assets uh, from a pure speculation standpoint without ever right. having the intent of actually playing, but because they want to maybe secure some prime real estate in the game. And as we continue to grow and get more users, that becomes a, a de desirable parcel of land that now maybe we'll appreciate in value. And right. you know where we where we really break the mold and differentiate ourselves from traditional gaming environments is that um, our assets are not locked in the game. Now, if you own a ship in Star Citizen, it has value, but it's very difficult to extract that value, right, or sell that to another player. It's in fact prohibited in most gaming platforms. Right. We we tear that barrier down, and we fully encourage um, and, and uh, well, just fully encourage people to transact freely and and to capture the value that they've effectively invested into the game, either through capital or through time spent. Got it. And it seems like just recently, there's been a little bit of an NFT trend, right? Where a lot of games have been integrating NFTs. And for example, some of these, some of these sales of N NFTs for whether it's uh, land in game or various types of the characters have sold incredibly well, even ahead of you know, launching. And so what do you think is the motivation or why do you think there's so much interest around NFTs in games very recently? It, it, it's, you know, it's almost uh, like it's an obvious feature that should be available in hindsight. You know, and I think people are discovering this once again, you know, do you want to invest into an asset that is trapped into a game environment or this digital virtual environment that you have no way of extracting the value from? Or do you want to deploy your capital, your time and money into something that actually can deliver a return to you over the time, over time and further, um, you know, the potential for these assets to appreciate is very attractive to somebody who's looking to spend money. And now if you can couple um, you know, playing a video game, having a good time alongside true capital investment into a video game or digital assets, which is clearly on the rise. And, you know, we've seen things like CSGO skins around forever, right? And, and people buy and trade the CSGO skins. But, um, you know, the, the reality is people are looking to create this digital version of themselves, their avatar. Um, and it's something that can and will be persistent when we introduce blockchain as one of the underlying you know, mechanisms uh, that, that allow people to interact with this space. Because now your avatar can and your assets can move from one space to another. Right. right. And it's very powerful. Right. Now, the other thing that you had mentioned is basically two types of tokens. One would be a governance token, meaning are you planning on running Star Atlas as a DAO? And, and maybe for our audience, maybe you could explain the kind of concept of a DAO and how that would fit into a Star Atlas, and at least in, in your, your implementation. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, uh, I guess, uh, quickly, we do intend to, over time, transition into a purely decentralized governance model, okay. um, initially because of the uh, complexity of, um, you know, planning and developing a product of this nature, we operate as a centralized entity. But over time, we turn that power over to the community and to the global audience. Uh, now, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization, and um, the structure simply introduces voting and governance rights to people who are stakeholders within that system. And so if you have a DAO token, that DAO token represents your interest in the protocol overall. And in our case, that will give people the ability to do two things, uh, well, multiple things, but but uh, one 
path is through the game itself. So within the Star Atlas game, you're actually able to deploy political strategy and do things like impose taxes on other players if you have the political influence in a region that someone's operating in. Um, outside of the game, though, is where it's where it's really most empowering and that people will be able to vote on things like asset release schedules, um, economic decisions within the game, inflation schedules, um, uh, and otherwise be able to determine things like flow of funds, which the game is this perpetual machine that recirculates tokens by nature of playing the game. Well, some of those tokens will go into the DAO structure. And then owners of the DAO tokens have the ability to say, well, we want to vote on a portion of those proceeds to go back to Star Atlas, the development company, because without them, the game will never get finished. Right. And and but over time, they can determine that, you know, Star Atlas, we're just another vendor. And maybe there's someone else out there that can build a better spaceship or a better version of the game or a better implementation into the game. And the community, as we turn this this, this power over, the community is the one that will forge and form the future of Star Atlas. And so it's, it's all governance based. It's really a voting structure and it allows people to determine the outcome of a collective uh, endeavor which is what we you know are ultimately building at star atlas okay and you mentioned two tokens so one would be a dow token and what's the other token yeah so uh the dow token is called polis and okay. um our in-game transactional currency is called atlas it was very important for us to separate the um the the tokens just because of the functionality underlying each one is really responsible for political strategy and governance the right. other one is is your in-game gold right you got it you have to spend money in the game to upgrade items, to refuel your ship, repair your ship. Any operating cost in the game is takes place as uh, or through Atlas, and and uh, yeah. So Polis is just uh, on the governance side, right? And so if that is your sort of in-game hard currency, does that also mean that unlike traditional games, if I buy hard currency in in my game today, I can't really trade that to somebody somebody's other account, for example. But in this case, as a as a crypto token, does that mean that I could kind of convert it to a different account or trade it to a different account? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's freely tradable. In fact, the way that users connect to our platform and to our game is um, it is similar to participating in DeFi protocols or Web 3.0 protocols where uh, all you're doing is connecting a wallet. So, you know, in most cases, it's something like MetaMask. Uh, Phantom is really popular on Solana. Phantom itself has NFT support, and it also has this wormhole bridge that allows people to move assets between Ethereum and Solana. But um, you connect your wallet, and that is effectively your user account. And now we're able to pull a list of all of your assets because you're in full possession of them, right? And so um, quite similar to these other DeFi protocols, you have cryptocurrency that lives in that wallet that is tradable across any of the decentralized exchanges uh, within the Solana ecosystem, which are all based on Serum uh, is, the, is the decentralized exchange protocol, um, but also any exchanges, centralized exchanges like FTX or Binance that could be trading Atlas and Polis in the future. So you can convert your Atlas and Polis into USD, liquidate that back into a real bank account at some point, should you want to, and uh, you know utilize this platform as a way to generate real income for yourself. Got it. In, in terms of like maybe one implication of the, the model that's that's being put forth is really around like the the economic modeling of you know how this how an external marketplace could impact the the in-game economy for example and is is this something that you guys are concerned about or is this something that's fairly well understood or what what would be the danger of having this kind of a model 
if, if any, from an economic modeling perspective? It, it introduces some degree of uncertainty because we don't have complete control, right? So like Entropia is a game that was similar um, in terms of our model and way ahead of its time, by the way. And Entropia came out, I think, 2006. Um, it's kind of space-themed MMO. People could actually own land and assets in the game. The difference was that they uh, served as the kind of central bank of the economy, if you will. Um, so there was a there was a way to move real cash into Entropia, and there was a way to extract cash from Entropia through a direct peg that they that they had created. Now, in our case, we don't want to be a central bank. We want a free-floating economy to exist. And so it does introduce some uncertainty for us uh, with respect to all of these different stakeholders that have different motivations. You know, you have the gamers that want to play and they want to make sure that there's balance in the game. Um, but then you also have people that are strictly speculating on tokens because they think the value will appreciate. Um, now, with that being said, I. I'm kind of comfortable releasing this information for the first time, but we've partnered with Republic as well as um, onboarded several economists uh, into our team. We have a team of about 12 people right now that are focused exclusively on things like you know corporate financial modeling, tokenomics, uh, game economics, and then game balance. So it's very okay. much at the forefront of um, of our analysis, and we're we're going through that process now. And and um, you know. The objective is to deliver a robust functioning model at, at game delivery, but we also know that there's, you know, this is a, an iterative process as well. We can make as many assumptions as we want and hope everything works, but at the end of the day, we just have to deploy it and then iterate on it when, uh, you know, based on things that are or are not working. And so I wanted to now talk about, you know, probably a really interesting angle or uh, or aspect of the game, which is, you know, the metaverse. And so. One of the things that you had mentioned is that you plan on building a metaverse based on the Solana blockchain as part of Star Atlas. So a few questions. So what does that mean to you in terms of the definition of the metaverse? And secondly, how do you what what is the in, what is the connection between crypto or Solana to the metaverse? Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, so let me circle back with why we selected Solana in the first place. And again, it was it was really the underlying technology from a scalability standpoint. Uh, so high transaction throughput, extremely low transaction costs, and also sub-second finality on state changes. Um, you can think of finality as latency within the network. And so with our objective being to deliver as many of the game functions entirely on chain as possible, um, as opposed to us running a centralized server you know, in the cloud that hosts game data and things of that nature, we want everything to run on chain. And so in order to accomplish that, you need a chain that is capable of scaling to millions to potentially hundreds of millions of users. And so um, based on all of our assessment across probably six of the uh, upcoming Gen 3 uh, protocols, Solana was it. It had clear competitive advantages from the tech standpoint, from the team, but also um, it, it's once again, kind of obvious in hindsight, but we just saw the potential of what they were building and the people they were affiliated with. So having groups like Alameda Research, Sam Bankman-Fried, um, and, and uh, FTX behind and supporting Solana, that was a clear indicator that there was potential there. And we're seeing now the massive explosion uh, in development that is occurring on, on the Solana blockchain. It's probably you know, the, the most rapidly growing ecosystem out there. So that's kind of why we selected Solana, how it integrates with the metaverse is that it becomes this underlying layer. It is the database and it is where we intend to run all of the on-chain programs, your smart contracts that determine game mechanics. So um, in an optimal scenario, everything would live um, and, and get processed on Solana. Um, 
Now, the metaverse as a concept, there's really no clear consensus on what that actually is. Um, you know, I think you can you can look at it from the standpoint of some alternative virtual world within which an individual can live a persistent life. Uh, it does require that the metaverse effectively lives on forever uh, because you're creating a digital life, digital representation of yourself within the metaverse. But um, where I extend that definition is is that a true metaverse needs to have a true fully functioning economy that is circular and supportive. And so, you know, as we bootstrap adoption in Star Atlas, we're using Atlas and Polis as incentive mechanisms to get users. This is where the play to earn comes from, but that's a very extractive dynamic. People constantly pulling value out of the ecosystem as we release the subsidy. But over time, um, it's important for us to be able to empower people, and this takes place through the, the decentralization and the DAO function, to empower people to create value for themselves, create uh, experiences within the metaverse for themselves. And, uh, you know, it, it can come in the form of many, many different innovations, but things like in-game concerts, say, a, you know, say a producer, one of the producers from our Rebirth uh, digital art campaign, Deadmouse, wants to go into the game and produce a set and invite people from all over the world to uh, experience that in VR. And set up a ticketing booth where you you know you effectively have to fly your ship through the ticketing booth, pay the fee with crypto, and now you get access to the concert. So things like that, things like creating your own businesses on land, unrelated to gameplay. Once again, so you say uh, another example would be a digital art curator, somebody who goes out and buys NFTs, brings them into the game, puts them on display in an art gallery, and now sells those to other players. That has nothing to do with political domination, uh, grand strategy, space exploration, any of those uh, mechanics that we're introducing. It has nothing to do with that, um, but it does add value back into the ecosystem because now people might come into Star Atlas just to experience this art gallery or to experience this concert. So I'm thinking, you know, bigger experiences like this where people can contribute uh, player-created content and you develop out a, a robust functioning economy that is not reliant on any centralized entity. It's, it's kind of a simulation of reality in the way that the real world works uh, from the perspective of economics. So if I were to try and summarize your definition of the metaverse within the context of Star Atlas, it would be this capability around bringing external or user-generated content, experiences, some form of business inside of the game without a centralized authority, essentially. That's right, yeah. And, and the only, you know, maybe further extension I would make on that is that there's kind of this concept of the metaverse is the graphical user interface that overlays the entire internet okay. in, in 3D space. So you can think of like every website right now that exists online could also live inside the metaverse and all of your shopping experiences, yeah. they don't necessarily need to be related to Star Atlas, but once you get into Star Atlas, now you can go shop at the Louis Vuitton store in, in game and maybe, um, maybe you're buying digital items or maybe you're purchasing physical items that get delivered to you in your real house you know, in your real geographic location, but you're actually experiencing that shopping experience through this digital world. So um, the implications are huge when you start to introduce AR and VR to, uh, to a fully immersive world like the one that we're developing. Okay, and then I also wanted to back up a little bit in terms of one of the comments you made as far as the economy needing to be circular and supportive, I believe you said. Could, so could you just help define what that specifically means just so I fully understand? Yeah. Um, 
just think of it as uh, kind of checks and balances or, or just a balance sheet. So if everybody's always pulling value out of the economy, say through earning Atlas through gameplay and then taking that and selling it for real world money or converting it to an alternative currency, that creates a situation in which the it's just not sustainable because we can't continuously issue new currency to incentivize new players. And there's this uh, negative um, feedback loop where the value of the economy is constantly going down because it's being siphoned off. Okay. Uh, so in, in opposition to that is you need people to bring value back into the economy. And that's through being, you know, industrious entrepreneurs within the game. And if they're contributing value, yes, they can extract a piece of it, but now they're counterbalancing the amount of value that's being pulled out. So this is a very long-term vision. It's probably going to be 10 to 15 to 20 years for this to really fully realize itself. But that that's the implication with the extractive economy. Got it. And maybe the one last set of questions I could ask you is really around the integration of crypto more generally into games. Now, if you are an existing game developer, and may, maybe there's a difference between if you already have an existing game versus a new game, but would you say... Or what advice would you give to an existing game developer that might be looking at crypto today and thinking, how can I integrate crypto into my game? Or do you recommend crypto for like new games and thinking about integrating crypto from the, from the outset rather than trying to bolt, sort of bolt it on to an existing game? I would tell them to steer clear and avoid it entirely. <laughs> I want to keep that competitive advantage for as long as possible. Um, no, I think you know. I think it makes sense. I think it's more difficult to integrate into existing games um, because it, the game wasn't designed with that type of infrastructure in mind. So it makes more sense for new game developers to try to integrate it. It really does create more of a, a seamless flow of value between the game developer and the user, and it allows us to introduce new economic models in the way that we sell video games. Because you know, in our case, you're not actually purchasing the game from us at all, where in, you know, in a lot of cases you would just pay the sticker price to, to get access to a video game, um, or these uh, free-to-play models where there's upcharges on various items. We can, we can uh, eliminate all of those and say, you know, now it's more of a invest to play. Um, and, I, and I hate to use that term invest, right? Because um, uh, just because of regulatory concerns, but the reality is they're, they're effectively purchasing something that has some degree of persistent value, which they can then turn around and sell later, as I said. So you almost you can almost think of it as an access fee that's recoverable, recoverable or refundable, or maybe we'll even go up in value over time. Um, so I, I just think that it's amazing we're going to be able to um, create these whole new models around how we attract users and reward people uh, for engaging in gameplay. Okay. And maybe for the audience in terms of what to expect for Star Atlas as far as like a potential launch date, I think you had mentioned uh, some of the development timeline, but what, what can we expect? Uh, is there like a specific date you have in mind or is it just more of general timelines that you have in mind so far? We, we have a major launch coming up. Um, okay. I, would, I would kind of point out, we've officially made our announcement to the world on January 14th of this year. Um, so it hasn't been a lot of time. We actually had four people on the team then. Uh, we're, we're up to about 70 people on the team right now. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> we, we are scaling incredibly rapidly. I'd say 50% yeah. of those um, uh, team members are under Danny Floyd's purview. He's the chief product officer. So it's a lot of art design um, okay. creative uh, aspect. But nevertheless, you know, scaling up our um, our blockchain developments, our web right. dev development, our DevOps, all, you know, every department is essentially growing. So um 
with that said, we launched a our initial campaign on April 24th, and we called that Rebirth, Genesis of a Metaverse. Now, this is a, um, it's a pure digital art campaign uh, in which we created what we call meta posters. Uh, it's these multimedia digital art pieces um, that include audio soundscapes produced by um, uh, artists, musicians, such as Blondish, the Bass Jackers, we have Dead Mouse on there, we have Major, uh, Renza, uh, Keel Corcoran. So we've got all of these great artists that we worked with and they produce the soundscape behind the art. And then we've nice. enhanced that uh, with augmented reality through a relationship with Shape Immersive out of uh, Vancouver. And so, you know, what, you, what, what the result is, is this really fully immersive 3D experience that starts to unveil the backstory and the lore of Star Atlas over time. So every week we release a new poster um, and these posters are accompanied also with in-game rewards. So, you know, owning a certain tier will get you, say, a spaceship and some land claims and an orbital space station. And then also things like unique skins, uh, custom emotes, little pets that are, you know, one time only available during this campaign. So um, that will take us up through July 24th. Uh, the next phase is for us to launch what you know what we consider a, a mini game. It's an in-browser version of the game, uh, and you'll be able to do things like uh, uh, ship configuration, ship missions where you're flying around, um, uh, space station configuration, and then also land and mining operations. So uh, they're kind of crafting gameplay loops where you'll get to upgrade items based on you know time spent and also the income earned, uh, but also get to go out and explore the universe a little bit. <clears throat> um, Concurrently, we are scaling our Unreal Engine uh, full production team. And so we are undertaking efforts to build a pre-alpha release that will include a, uh, a shipyard module is what we're calling it. Um, but it's, you know, it's, uh, you're living in 3D space uh, in, in the full production version of the game and able to walk around a space station and look at your assets in a hangar and um, perform some minor functionality. And that is likely to come out at the end of Q2 or sometime Q3, 2022. But the but the important part about the mini game in browser is that players will not only be able to purchase their assets, they'll actually be able to deploy them and start generating income or yield. So for us, it was super important to execute execute in an iterative fashion, as opposed to waiting five years to deliver a full final product. We are getting pieces of gameplay out now so people can experience it. And then we utilize that feedback to iterate on the game and improve the game. So as opposed to you know waiting until the finish line, delivering this big package, we just we 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 kind of drop pieces at a time and, and keep people engaged. Great. Okay, well, Michael, those are all the questions I have. Do you have any final message to the audience or if there's any specific type of role you're looking for or anything like that? Uh, do, you, do you have a final final thoughts or message? You know, uh, one, one final thing that I do want to share, and it was um, really amazing that we pulled it off because we, we had short notice on it, but um, this all just got picked up in Forbes. We had an opportunity to work with Neil Armstrong's uh, IP estate uh, so the estate manager, and uh, in collaboration with the United States Space Force, as well as SpaceX on a, on a rocket launch today um, that actually took a satellite, a GPS satellite into orbit, um, and it's named after Neil Armstrong. So we were the ones that custom created a uh, one of these meta posters for that event. It's really historic, you know, and we're already seeking to combine and, and kind of merge physical reality meet space with with digital virtual realities and virtual worlds. And we're tying the story of that spaceship launch into the real lore of the game. So it's already in the canon. So, um, you know, with respect to people that we're hiring, if you 
we're hiring everything. So um, specifically engineers, game developers, and and uh, artists, I would say, you know, reach out to us at careers at staratlas.com. But otherwise, please take a look at our website. We have a new website coming out in about a month. We're super excited about, but um, all of our social media links are on there. Very active Discord community, uh, very active Telegram community. So we'd love to see you there. Um, and final point is I, I host... We host uh, amphitheaters in Discord or on Twitter every week, and it's an open Q&A uh, for people in the community to reach out to the leadership team and, and talk to us and ask questions. And um, yeah, we hope to see more people join us for those. Awesome. So I'll include a bunch of links to all of that, the stuff that you mentioned in the show notes, but definitely want to thank you for your time, Michael, and for everybody else. Hope to catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much, Joseph. Bye.